Hello, and welcome to 8 Minutes to Ageless, the podcast committed to teaching you the minimalistic approach to becoming bold and not old. On this 20-minute weekly podcast, you will learn how to care for your body and mind while spending the bare minimum amount of time to be successful. I know that life is full, so full that we tend to put our own needs on the back burner, and in some cases are simply too confused to figure out what to do, so we do nothing. This podcast is designed to help you leave regrets behind and start caring for yourself, no matter your age, so you can grow older and like it, and I might say even love it. My name is Dr. Kelly Pearson, and I am the host of this podcast. I'm a practicing chiropractic physician and author of Eight Minutes to Ageless. Over the past 40 years, my patients have taught me so much about what not to do that I finally just had to get this book written and podcast started. But before we begin, I want to thank all of you who have read my book and keep sending me inspiring comments that you're getting your life back. That makes all the difference and makes me smile. Well, hello, back at you this week and excited to talk about something I think is really important. It seems like every week in my clinical practice, I have the perfect patient or condition to talk about. And um, today, actually, just a few hours ago, I met this fabulous young woman who has lost 95 pounds and did it through increasing activity in her life, namely walking. And I started thinking about what a value just walking can be. And this certainly is not the first time I've heard this over 40 years that people set about on a walking program. But in my day d- during the week, I'm probably seeing at least five to 10 cases of foot pain with my patients. And not only does foot pain keep us from moving, from exercising, from changing our persona in terms of making us happier people, but to have pain with every step is truly tumultuous. Um, Recently, uh, probably about three months ago, I stepped on a small piece of glass while barefooted and I thought I got it all out, uh, but there was a little bit of pain where the piece went in uh, starting two or three months or about two months afterwards, I thought, gosh, maybe I missed a piece. But my podiatrist explained to me that it had created a little bit of scar tissue and she just needed to scalpel the bit of the scar tissue off and voila, my foot pain was, was better. But sometimes foot pain is just not that simple. And pro- probably the most common reason people have pain is that that really thickened tissue at the bottom of their foot, we call it the uh, plantar fascia, becomes inflamed. And sometimes it can become torn and sometimes it can become stretched. And so there's a multitude of things you, you know, people to do about it. But just for a second, let's talk about causes. If you're a person who has a flat feet so that your inner arch rolls down to the ground, that can be a significant stress on the plantar fascia. And so for you lifting that arch up using some orthotics, I I love super feet off the shelf, super feet. I know the podiatrists out there are cringing like, ah, you need something much more customized. And, um, but, but often I find the simple, simple uh, orthotics do help. And if that doesn't, of course, a good podiatrist can form fit that, um, that to your feet. But so if you have no pronation, you either want to get the support or you start creating strength in your foot and you think, what, how do you do that? Well, actually your your actual um, arches are made mostly up of muscles. And so you can do something called a short foot exercise, 
where you put your foot down on the ground while you're seated and slowly maybe point your toe, let's say your right toe out to the right. And with the whole foot smashing down on the surface of the floor you're, you're, you're standing on, then you drag um, with your, starting with your toes, you're keeping your heel in one place, not pivoting around your heel, drag your toes all the way towards, in this case, your left foot. And you may even feel a little bit of cramping in that arch. Well, that's actually creating um, increased capability of those muscles. You might end up doing four sets of 10 um, once a day for a period of two months, and you can actually start to build that arch, but it takes some commitment. A lot of times people um, don't recognize the value that that provides. Now you can also have, let's say you fall off of um, a surface and you land hard and you're not wearing supportive shoes, the plantar fascia can actually tear. I had a very good friend of mine had that problem and we just could not for the life of us fix it until we did an MRI and saw actually it was torn. It's the first time in 40 years I've seen that. And so we had to have it surgically repaired. And he was an avid runner and a very fit guy, but um, that, was, that was his only way out. And again, like I said, I haven't yet seen another case where it required surgery. And, and then of course, if you're gaining weight over time, your weight beyond what your body likes puts extra pressure on that plantar fascia. So losing weight takes the pressure off of that. And of course that takes time to do, um, but hey, it is what it is sometimes. And we just still have to, even though it's a hard task, we just have to take one day at a time, one step forward at a time. And then the other thing that can happen is if all of a sudden, let's say you start wearing a shoe where you had a very good support and all of a sudden you're into a minimal shoe and you're thinking, oh yeah, I'm going to do the barefoot running thing or the barefoot walking thing. We can go from a supportive shoe to one that not supportive at, at all. And that can cause the plantar fascia to be upset. So those are some common causes. And there's some very, very um, useful fixes, but this, re re this week I had a I saw a patient who loves to do 100 mile races and you think, oh my gosh, is that possible? Someone would love to do 100 mile races, but she in fact did. And I was really struggling with getting her foot fixed until I went back to the basics. And I'll, I'll tell you about that at the end of this podcast. But so some of the things we do for plantar fascia um, is, as I mentioned, foot support. But a lot of times as a chiropractor or even a PT or an osteopath, that ankle mobility is not normal, what we call the mortise joint, where the tibia and fibula meet the, the uh, underlying joints, the what we call the taller joint. And there's a nice flex at the ankle typically, but sometimes it gets jacked up and you need to have that thing adjusted. And chiropractors are really, really good at adjusting feet. And anybody else, maybe like a PT or an osteopath getting special training can certainly do that as well. But opening that mortise joint up and this or the subtalar joint can, you know, opening that that up can just like, wow, now my ankle can move. And therefore the stress on the plantar fascia, the bottom of the foot is not so significant. And, and likewise, let's say you have sprained your calf muscle, we call that the gastrocnemius, and that, that heals tight. Well, the foot will really have a hard time because the plantar or the um, gastrocnemius attaches to the Achilles tendon, which as it wraps underneath your foot has a continuation along the, the plantar fascia. So if your calf muscles tight, then boom, the plantar fascia has more biomechanical stress. And so you've got to stretch the plantar fascia. I'll, I'll touch on that in a minute. 
Um, so manipulation is important. And then there's just soft tissue therapies you can do the, the bottom of your foot. One of the things that came out in my profession probably 25 years ago was something called the Graston tool. And it was a metal instrument that was beveled and, and you could kind of do some scraping along the bottom of the foot and breaking up some of the adhesions. Feels good sort of, but it also hurts sort of but who cares if it gets results? And then there's been many, many iterations and, and different tools over time that people have used to scrape the bottom of their foot to increase the flexibility of the plantar fascia. And that's definitely something that um, you, you can play with uh, best to have a professional who's trained in it to do it, of course. And then the other thing that podiatrists will often do is they'll say, okay, that plantar fascia is stressed. I'm going to put you in a brace. Well, that means that the, the foot can't move at all. And so they're trying to say, let's let, let, let's let your foot rest so the plantar fascia that has been a bit strained can calm down and heal. And that can be a benefit. But the truth is most people are taking their brace on and off. And I just talked to a podiatrist yesterday who said, yeah, I don't brace people anymore because they don't follow through. They actually um, take it off all the time. So he says, I cast them for upwards of six weeks. And taking the cast off then um, af afterwards may be enough to provide the healing of, of that fascia. So there has been some situations, one case I can think of over the last 40 years where a person had torn their plantar fascia and then it healed with a lot of scar tissue. And it was super, super tough. It's like nothing could get through it, even um, vibration therapy, which can be used, um, acoustic wave therapy can be used for tight plantar fascia. But in this case, the doctor went in and, and kind of cut some of the fibers away to take that density and, and reduce it by half. It wasn't a particularly good outcome, um, so I'm not a big fan of the approach. It seems like we should be able to stretch those things over time um, as opposed to going in and cutting it. I, I'm, I'm not a fan of foot surgery unless it's absolutely the last, the last straw, in which case it can be magical. But we tend to forego the good hard work beforehand and, and jump to things that we think might give us a quick solution. And so the, the case I wanted to tell you about was this gal who loved to do 100 mile races. It was a lot of up and down hill. She'd be running through the mountains and in the dark. I mean, totally courageous gal. But this one foot was bothering her for upwards of six months. And I'd sent her to PT and um, we've been manipulating and we were actually uh, activating some of the intrinsic muscles of the foot. We were providing a good arch support. We were teaching her to build the strength of her plantar flexor muscles, you know, and all of this was not really making a huge difference. And her calf muscles were always a bit tight because she would run um, so many miles a week. But I just decided to put her on a slant board, which those of you who've been in an athletic training room know what that is. It's a, it's a board that might be uh, projected, um, might be a foot, a foot wide, let's say, and, and it's, it's, it's tilted up, cantilevered up to 45 degrees, let's say, that you put your toes on the top part and the heel at the bottom part, and you stand there with your body as straight as possible to try to stretch the calf. And some of the cool slant boards you can buy today on online allow you to change the angle so you can start with the low angle and slowly work up to higher. Well, she just started using this, the slant board literally for one week and not bouncing or pushing, just hanging out on the slant board for one week and would do this for 10 or 15 minutes at a shot. 
she came in um, this week and said, my pain is gone. I can't even remember where it was. And uh, that was a case where she just needed to lengthen the calf muscles and potentially even the plantar fascia by a sustained long stretch done over several minutes, done over several days. And um, I, I thought that was pretty, pretty, pretty fantastic that I had to go back to the basic sort of embarrassing, right? That I had started with uh, the Graston tool and, and the soft tissue therapy and the muscle activation and the foot manipulation. And all the while, the problem was right there staring me in the face. And, but that, ladies and gentlemen, is the art of practice. I mean, I always, I'm always telling my patients, you have to be patient while I practice. And um, I had a little boy once asked me, Dr. Pearson, when are you, when are you gonna stop practicing and do the real thing? <laughs> and I, I kind of thought, good question. Probably the answer is probably right before I retire, you know, the day of, because it is, everybody's different and you have to keep trying on things that you think make sense, that the exam supports, that the patient describes from a symptomatic expression. And you gotta keep looking and delving but what I know for sure is doing the same darn thing over and over and over again generally gets us nowhere. And it doesn't mean to say you have to um, expect results in one visit, but if you're, if you're doing, if, if you're seeing a practitioner and they're doing the same thing more than seven times, let's say, let's use that magic number without changing it up, something, something's wrong and your body is not responding to that treatment therapy. And so to me, a good practitioner is somebody who, is got a big toolbox and realizes that there's times to use different tools and and to keep to keep trying it. I started laughing the other day. I had this patient who really was hard to mobilize the upper back. Her ribs were tight. Her intercostal muscles were tight. Her her trapezius was tight. Her rhomboids were tight. Her joints were restricted. She was posturally challenged with a bit of a kyphosis, but I knew if I could open her up in all those areas and get that upper back to move, she would be better. And she started laughing. Finally, I got the joint to move. And um, she said, you know, you kind of remind me of a dog with a bone, <laughs> which I, I think maybe was a backhanded compliment. But my, my point there is that it takes some work to unwind people's pains. And it also takes some work on you, the patient's part, to do the stretches, to do the soft tissue work, to put the dog on arch supports in your feet, you know, to get on that slant board, to drink your water, to lose the weight, right? None of these things happen magically overnight. And, and generally speaking, when, it, when something goes away too quickly and too easily, uh, oftentimes it's going to be coming back and you have to understand the why so you can get back on the horse, if you will, and do the right thing to prevent its reoccurrence. So if you don't have any feet pain and you're walking without any, any pain at all, congratulate yourself. That's fabulous. And if you do consider some of these strategies that I just shared with you and, um, recognize that walking as a human being is one of the most fantastic um, movement strategies you can employ, particularly if you are walking with your, leading with your heart and your heel is touching and then your toes are pushing off and you're erect as possible in your spine and your arms are swinging back and forth. It's really hard to be in a bad mood when you're walking unless you have foot pain. So 
hope this makes sense to you. And I look very much forward to um, next week. I'm going to be having a few guests coming up here. So we'll, we'll keep that mystery guest going. Have a great day. In keeping with my minimalistic approach to life, I keep this podcast short and only add the most critical points, not adding fluff. So for today, we are done, but I hope you will do a few minutes of the good stuff we talked about. If you have not picked up the book, you can get it on Amazon. The website, 8minutestoageless.org, will have the show notes and any videos that I mentioned on this podcast. I thank you for spending your precious 20 minutes with me. And as always, you can reach out and contact me via the website. Remember, one day at a time, you are getting bolder and not older. I look forward to seeing you next week.